Today on the No City on the Sideline Dab podcast, episode number 75, we're going to talk about nonsense in our lives and how it can hold us back with my guest, Meredith Abwood, the author of the new book, The Year of No Nonsense, How to Get Over Yourself and On With Your Life. Next on the podcast, let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I'm a dad parent, crazy busy adult in the world, just like you, trying to get <laughs> trying to get through. I know, especially this time of year, when Christmas time and stuff like that. We're trying to get things done, and man, it's, it's been like a race to the finish. Every year it's like that for some reason. I don't understand why, but we're always racing to the finish. And especially this time, you can be crazy, crazy with all the stuff that sometimes it really doesn't matter. But also, what really matters is you. Thank you for listening to the podcast today and, and taking time to say hello. I know as a dad and a parent, we're, our time's limited, especially this time of year. And you choosing to spend means a lot to me. It really does. I'm on a journey just like you, trying to figure this stuff out one day at a time. And speaking about a journey, next up, my guest, Marin Apple, author of the new book, The Year of No Nonsense, How to Get Over Yourself and All of Your Life. That's true. Sometimes we get in our own way. <laughs> sometimes we're their own worst enemies. Self-doubt, talk, negative talk. You know, like, hey, why are you being so stupid? Or we do something wrong. Oh, man. Sometimes that can um, really be really not helpful, I guess. Meredith's a mom of two, former attorney who decided to get rid of her nonsense and work on what was important in life. Sometimes things we focus on, like self-doubt, negative talk, stuff like I mentioned, can really, really hold us back. Meredith shows about her nonsense and her step to overcome it, from dealing with nonsense to running a triathlon. That's a big deal. So if you have negative thoughts and self-doubt, it's going to be a long day for you. I never run one, but I met her when I mentioned uh, talking to her and thinking about that going, yeah, she gets a point there. Because <laughs> it could be a very long day. I'm like, oh, man, that hill. Or I don't know if I can do it. Or I just want to quit. Sometimes you can't because some people depend on you especially in life. I've never read one before, but mention you better be right. You better be, you better be in the right frame of mind. This interview was fun and she shared a lot. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Meredith. Thank you. Good to be here. You know, you're the person of all the no nonsense. And I got asked that one question, <laughs> but it is the holiday season, the time, the time of the recording. How do you get, how do you deal with the nonsense? Well, that's, that is the burning question, right? Um, <laughs> so it's kind of a long story to how I came to this place as, as far as like being a no-nonsense girl. But um, basically, I, I looked around in 2017 and everything had kind of fallen apart for me. Um, I had kept my health and I had, uh, yeah, I had my health and I had my family, but everything else was a mess. And um, I looked around and I realized I had a lot of nonsense. Like it just was clear as day and, and nonsense kind of grew from there. And I began to identify it. And the thing about nonsense is it is subjective. So my nonsense is not necessarily your nonsense. We all have our own personal brands of nonsense. And so we have to figure out what is nonsense to us and that that is the magic question because some people might think uh knitting scarves for kitty cats is not <laughs> nonsense i think that might be a little nonsense but someone else might have a business on etsy for that <laughs> um and so you have to you have to really think about what your health and happiness and success means to you and 
anything that stands in the way of those three things is, is what I talk about in my book, then that's nonsense to you. And so then at that point, you have a decision to make because you've seen the truth. Yep. You, you've seen the wizard. <laughs> and so now you can decide what you want to do about it. And that is where it gets tough. So maybe identifying the nonsense is not necessarily as hard, but deciding what to do about it can be. It can be. I just, it's really um, trying to figure and get rid of that stuff because we get wrapped up in stuff that's really not important. It's true. It's true. Stuff that doesn't move the needle on your goals, that doesn't move the needle on your relationships or your health, but it's just moving a needle, you know, like randomly. <laughs> <laughs> you just check a box, like checking your email all day long. It doesn't necessarily mean you're being productive. You're just doing something, you know, and I think there's a big difference between being productive and working towards your goals and the things that are important to you and just randomly doing tasks. <laughs> what a little bit about yourself. What can you like some information about you? Yeah, sure. So I grew up um, in Georgia and I was an Olympic style weightlifter um, before CrossFit made weightlifting cool. Um, <laughs> and then I went off to college and I developed a raging drinking problem, which was really <laughs> kind of the start of, of, of my nonsense. Um, then I ended up going to law school. That was part two of nonsense. And um, I, I got married, had some kids. And by the time I had two kids under two and I was in this law job I hated and in debt, and drinking two bottles of wine a night, I was suffering. And I didn't even know what happened. I didn't even know what was going on because I was so stuck in the middle of it. Um, and I can look back now and go, well, of course I felt bad. And of course I was so tired and, you know, depressed. Obviously, <laughs> it makes sense. But when you're in the middle of really destructive behavior, you're just trying to survive. And so, you know, you get up early, you got two young kids, you do the commute, you, you have a coffee, have a scone just to try and get to lunch where you can have some more coffee and some more brown food so you can get home so you can drink your wine and survive getting your kids to bed. And it just becomes this cycle. And before you know it, you don't even know what happened, you know. And so that is my story. And that was very much my life until about 2009 when I kind of wandered into a gym. And I, I went into one of those spinning classes and I met the spinning instructor there and he kind of changed my life. I mean, he um, talked me into doing a triathlon, which is swimming, cycling and running. And I was 230 pounds. I mean, I was no small, small chick, couldn't run, um, but thought, you know, I can try this. <laughs> but it, it changed everything for me, just just moving my body in a new way. And um, that began the journey. I mean, this is 10 years ago and I'm still not a small girl. Like I'm, I am not skinny, um, but I've done four Ironmans and I'm very strong and I'm healthy and um, I can play with my kids and we can go for runs. And um, so that was kind of the start of it for me. And then um, along the way, I started blogging about it. I, I started, started Swim Bike Mom. Um, just as a place to write about this ridiculous quest I was on as a 230-pound woman trying to do trap on with two kids under two and a law job. <laughs> you know, it was like the stupidest thing ever to try and do something like that. And um, this was back when Facebook, you know, when people liked your Facebook page, they would still see your post. You didn't have to pay Facebook. Like people, <laughs> so it grew. It was good timing. You know, when people ask me now, 
how do you how do you become a famous blogger? I'm like, well, you start in 2009. <laughs> That's the first key. So it was, you know, it's a lot of luck as far as timing and all, but um, the blog took off and um, I wrote a book called Triathlon for the Every Woman in 2011 after I did my first half Ironman because when I started fitness, there just wasn't a book out there that told a tired, overweight, drunk mom of two <laughs> how to do a triathlon. I thought if I ever figure out how to do this, I'm going to write a book about it. And so I did and I self-published it and then um, it was acquired this past year by Hachette Books, and so it's traditionally in its second edition now. And I have my my next book, The Year of No Nonsense, coming out. Um, gosh, in twelve days, um, <laughs> depending on when this airs. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a crazy, crazy wild ride. I left the legal profession two years ago to pursue this, and it all started because. I am four years sober. That's a very important note. <laughs> when I had said I drank two bottles of wine, I never like brought that one back around. So I do not do that anymore. And also, too, you have an anniversary coming up, December twelfth. Yeah, December twelfth is my four year four year sober anniversary. Yeah, you don't celebrate that with booze, so you just go, <laughs> "Yay, you!" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, I'm listening to some of your episodes, your podcast too, and I remember and. And you mentioned it many times. And honestly, that is something to be proud of, too. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it, it's something that I'm determined to just take this, get the stigma gone. I mean, I'm so tired of people struggling and not being able to talk about it. And, and when I quit drinking, I didn't say anything for about 90 days. Um, on my blog and I, I talked about a lot on my blog and, but I just was, I was scared because I was still a practicing attorney. Um, I knew my boss read, read my blog, which was, you know, scary in itself, <laughs> but she was my biggest cheerleader and, and I was terrified. But when I came out and said, I'm, I'm a drunk and I'm in, I'm in recovery and this is how bad it was. Like I told people how bad it was. Cause a lot of people get uncomfortable with the idea of, of people being sober. So they want to say, Oh, but you weren't that bad. And they like to kind of qualify it. I, yeah. I don't know if it makes them uncomfortable. I haven't quite figured that out. And so I laid it out there. I was like, no, a typical night was we would go out to dinner. I would have a martini to start. And then I would have another martini and then I would go home and I would proceed to have a bottle of wine, maybe another half bottle. Maybe I'd finish off two and then I'd eat a pizza <laughs> after dinner. Yeah. And so I, I talked about that on my blog. I'm like, this is how bad it was. I was a blackout drinker. Um, I did it to escape. Lord knows what at the time. Um, I kind of know now I've worked through a lot of stuff in therapy and in my own work. Um, but yeah, I want people I want the stigma of alcohol gone. If and I look at it as, and it comes back to nonsense because not everyone has a problem with alcohol. I, you know, I go out to dinner with people and they leave a half glass of wine <laughs> on the table, and I'm like, "You drink that? What is wrong with you? Like, how can you leave that?" Because I just could never imagine drinking a half glass of wine and leaving, um, never. And so, alcohol is not nonsense to that person. They have a problem moderating it. They're fine, you know, but alcohol for me is a, is, was my biggest brand of nonsense that I was carrying around because I was trying to do, you know, yoga, do Ironman to prove that I was healthy, um, to prove 
to justify my bad behavior. Because <laughs> I'd get drunk the night before, ride 100 miles on my bike the next day and be like, look, I'm healthy. Um, and so that's that's a big part. When I cut out alcohol, my productivity, my potential, my clarity, um, just my path for life was like snowball effect because that was my biggest brand of nonsense. And when you cut the bleeder, when you get rid of the big bleed, then things can really happen. And so that's what I talk about in the year of no nonsense is you got to find your biggest brand of nonsense. The number one thing right now that's standing in the way of your health, happiness, and success. Once you find that thing, and you, you triage that, you, you know, cause like if you come up on a scene of an accident and you got someone with a shredded artery and a, a broken pinky toe, like you're going to have a problem with a paramedic who starts fussing with that pinky toe. <laughs> like you got to get, you got to deal with the bleed. And a lot of us don't want to deal with that. A lot of us don't want to deal with what we need to deal with, but the return on your investment for dealing with the big thing mm-hmm. is huge. And so that is my goal with everything I do going forward, I'm like kind of nuts about it because whatever your brand of nonsense is, that's what you have to deal with. So it's not, it's not just about alcohol, but I think alcohol is a big problem. And I think it's a big problem for a lot of people. It doesn't mean it's for everyone, but I want people to be able to be like, yeah, I have a drinking problem, but I'm working on it. Or I did have a drinking problem. I'm proudly so I have people that have made the choice to be sober, mm-hmm. to be proud of that choice. Like own it. Be like, yeah, I chose. And maybe sometimes the cops chose for you, um, <laughs> but that's okay too. Cause that's life. And, and everyone's got their thing, you know, everyone has got their stuff. And so that, that's my mission. And I'm, I'm on one, I guess. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Because that's something to be proud of too. I mean, you have two kids. I know you have a daughter. I'm, I'm not sure the ages, but I know you have a daughter and a son yeah. and you want to, you know, you're going to show set an example for them. Right. Kids don't need words. No. They need to see it. Yeah. They need to see your actions. I mean, it's fun because my son just graduated. Well, they had a graduation for kindergarten, which honestly, <laughs> that's, I think that's a little bit too much. But it was kind of cool because his, his grandmother always told me the podcast, ah, oh, it's silly. And my son goes up, they all, what do you want to be? And then they talk to like all the kids. I want to be a police officer, a swimmer. My son goes, the podcaster. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, let's go. <laughs> I want to turn around and start doing the arrows. Ha ha. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so they are, they are watching. They are paying attention and what we do and stuff like that. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. But um, it's one thing I would talk about too is what is it, what is it goes into being a triathlon athlete? Cause that, that would seem kind of um interesting too. <laughs> That's an interesting word. Interesting. Um, yeah. Triathlon seems like a really complicated sport and I guess it, it kind of has a big buy-in because you need to have a bike and you got to have access to a pool. And so, um, the barrier to entry seems pretty great for triathlon. It seems pretty big, but you know, when you boil it down to the simple bones of it, it's swimming, cycling, and running. And you, you kind of train each a couple of days a week. And so like you'll swim Monday, run Tuesday, bike Wednesday, take Thursday off, and then kind of lather, rinse, repeat um, training that way. And what it does, it's actually, if you don't go off and get crazy about it, um, it's a very great 
sport for your body because you're not just running all the time. You're not pounding your, the pavement. Um, you get some recovery with swimming and, and cycling is good for you. And um, if you don't go to extremes, it can be a really, really healthy lifestyle. And But the tendency is you get into that sport and then you're like, well, now I want to do an Ironman. <laughs> like you kind of get crazy. Um, but it's, you know, my book, Triathlon for the Every Woman, guys can read it too. Um, it's just, it's mostly geared toward women, but it, it takes you through soup to nuts, everything you need to know about how to do a triathlon. And um, I'm really proud of that book. It's been around for gosh, six years now and been edited twice through two, two different processes. So it's, it's a good book. It's as good as it's going to get, I think. <laughs> um, but it's a good guidebook for, for starting the sport if you're even mildly interested. Well, it's interesting too. I'm thinking to myself, I, I mean, obviously I need to look, I'm not running for a long time. But I need to, if I was running back when I was in high school and stuff, you always have self-talk, you know, like, oh, man, I've only, only five more miles, only, you know, one more mile. Ah, uh, I can't do it. And self-talk, I mean, something I, you talk about a lot in your podcast, too, and stuff like that. Self-talk, what does that mean to you? Yeah, self-talk is everything. Oh, my gosh. And you don't know the self-talk is a thing mm-hmm. until you stop to listen to your <laughs> Talk. And I went through um, a training with Deb Cheslow. She's um, an awesome, awesome life coach. And we did a program together a couple years back. And, and the main, the first thing she says is you have to listen to the bully in your brain. And I was like, what do you mean listen? What do you mean listen? And, <laughs> and part of the program was to listen to the things you say to yourself. And one of the realizations I had was that I would get up at like five in the morning, I would go to the gym. And as I was walking to the mirrors in the gym, because I went to a big old mega gym and it was this long walk while I was facing mirrors. And as I walked looking at my reflection, I thought, oh my God, you're so fat. Look at your belly. Look at the way your thighs rub. Look at, oh, 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 you shouldn't have drank that. Like everything horrible. And I had never known that I did that to myself on the way to get on the treadmill. Literally, I get out of bed at 530 in the morning and I take my butt to the gym to run. And that's what I'm saying on the way there. And that was such an eye opener to me. And so that that was like four or five years ago. But I really started listening to what I said to myself. You know, when you when you drop um something on the ground and you're like, Oh, whoopsie Daisy. Or are you like, you stupid, stupid piece of crap? Like, you know, <laughs> what do you say to yourself? What do you say when you get embarrassed? Like, do you say, Oh, well, or do you really, you know, do you hear the voice of your parents <laughs> telling you you're a bad boy and you're a stupid kid and you'll never amount to anything. And I think a lot of the names and numbers that we've been called or associated with our whole life, it comes up. It, it's like, really deep in there. And so all of that to say that learning to control first listening, hearing that voice, and then learning to quiet that, that voice and identify it and to replace those thoughts. And you don't have to even replace it with positive free food stuff, but just <laughs> get the mean stuff out of there. And, um, that's, a, that's a big part of it. And, and I learned, I learned the power of mental training through doing triathlon. Um, I learned to never, ever, ever think I can't do this because like 15 hours into an Ironman, um, they have a 17 hour limit and I like to get my money's worth. (laughs) So I would use all those hours, but you know, 15 hours into an Ironman, you're done. Like you hurt. It is a dark place. And I always made it a point to say, 
this is a done deal. You're a finisher. Like the whole time, no matter how dark it got. And like the more women I coach, I'm, I tell them, I said, if you step on that starting line of an Ironman, and you have a single doubt in your mind, you might as well turn around and walk off. Like you have to know with a small certainty that you will do that. And of course things happen. You, you get a flat tire, you yeah. don't make the cutoffs, whatever. That's just a result, but it's part of that mental journey that you have to come to just certainty that, that you are good enough that you're going to do this and you can apply that to any part of your life. But I, I learned it. I learned it doing those really long, miserable races. <laughs> well, you can talk yourself out of anything really beyond. Yeah, you. Sure. Sure. You can talk yourself out of everything. And also the, the things like it gets that head trash. I heard that one time with somebody else. Head trash. Head trash is good. It's a good one. And um, gets it, you get up in your head and, and you talk yourself about doing anything. Yeah. And a lot of times I know with parenting, it's really easy because kids are hard. I mean, let's be real. It's hard to be a parent. And, and it's easy to say, you know, oh, if I didn't have these kids, then I could exercise. Or I can't exercise because I don't have the time because of these kids. Well, if you start putting your kids as the reason mm-hmm. for things, you know, the reason you're not living your dreams, the reason you're not fulfilling your destiny, if you put that on them, they will become that to you and you will resent them. And and this is about identifying and seeing the truth. The truth of the matter is they didn't ask to come to this world. You brought them here. <laughs> and you have to take responsibility for the 24 hours in your day. And they take a lot of those 24 hours. I gotcha. I mean, they, they are, they're tough, but it's, it, it's up to you to, to realize that you are here to help show them the way. Mm-hmm. So you better get your act together <laughs> and you better start doing what you need to do. Well, they also like to talk about too, before we get to the book is your podcast. Something yeah. I'm a big fan of, cause I listened to a few episodes and I like, the real stuff. I like the note. I like the interviews, but I like the, the in-between episodes. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> how, how do the, how do those come about the notes? The notes on nonsense. So that's so funny. Um, I had a friend of mine. She, she didn't start out as a friend. She's a friend now, but she helped me rebrand my website. I had a terrible website. I always had, I just, because the problem was I started blogging 10 years ago. And when you come to a web designer with, I don't even know how many terabytes of photos and <laughs> words, they're like, uh, we, this is really clunky. It's not like I can just go over to Squarespace and start, uh, you know, or is it Squarespace? I don't know. I can't just go over and start a new website. So um, this woman called me and she goes, I can fix your website. It's hideous. And I'm like, well, thank you. I know it's hideous, but no, you can. And I don't have the $20,000 that people are quoting me to. And she's like, no, no, we'll, we'll get it fixed. And so anyway, I started working with her. She rebranded my whole life in like two weeks. And it was amazing. And um, she started on my podcast and she's like, you really need to do your own episodes. And I'm like, no. I just like to interview people. And she's like, no, you need to come up with something because people like to hear what you have to say. And I'm like, I don't really think so. But she goes, just just try it. And so we came up with, because the book was coming out in, I guess, six months. And she said, let's let's do something about nonsense. And I said, okay. Um, and so Notes on Nonsense was born. And I just literally, I pick a topic, <laughs> you know, and then I sit down in front of the mic and I record unedited, unfiltered, anywhere from like eight to 17 minutes. And then I click publish. Um, and it's, it, I don't ever know where it's going to go. Um, <laughs> I found with, with me, if I take notes, it doesn't work well. 
No. I don't have questions <laughs> to interview guests. I don't, I just don't, I have to free will it. Um, but yeah, that just, it kind of came out of a lot of, I realized I had 10 years of um, experience kind of uncovering my own BS and I, that I could share some of those things. Like even tonight, I realized that you can cook like 20 sweet potatoes in the <laughs> crock pot. <laughs> you can put them in a crock pot at 10 a.m. with a cup or two of water on high. And at 4 p.m. you have deliciously soft sweet potatoes. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Be honest with you. Because <laughs> I, for some reason, like the barrier to me cooking sweet potatoes is putting them in the oven because I don't want to wrap them in tinfoil. And they'll just sit there in like the potato basket. I'm like, I've done this since too hard. You know, I'll go do Iron Man, but I'm not cooking those sweet potatoes. <laughs> um, so I learned that today. And so like, the podcast, it helps me tell things like that. You know, you can cook sweet potatoes like that. But it also allows me to kind of shake things up and, and remind remind my audience and, and myself. Like I do this for myself too, just to remind myself like, the stuff in your head matters. The things you, you, you want to do and, and the truth and all, all this stuff, you, it matters. And here's 10 minutes of me telling you why. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's fun. It's, it's been, it's been well-received to my surprise, honestly. Um, I may look like a ham, but I, I get real nervous when I'm kind of putting myself out there on my own, you know? Well, it's interesting because you are yeah, you putting yourself out there. I can totally relate to that because we're you know we're both podcasters and stuff like that. You never know who's listening, and and yeah. you haven't you got any positive response back from your episodes and any feedback you have you gotten? Well, it's interesting. I feel that podcasting is like shouting into the void. Mm-hmm. I I feel like with blogging and and Instagram and Facebook, you get a lot more feedback. I don't get much direct feedback, but then I see the numbers. Mm-hmm. I know people are listening <laughs> and then every once in a while I'll get an, you know, an email. It's like, Oh, by the way, I love your podcast. By the way, I love your podcast. By the way, I love your podcast. But like I'll post my podcast episode this week and I'd have like a nice little program and snags a sound clip and those graphics and stuff. And uh, you know, it'll get likes, but no one will be like, this is great. But then I'll run into someone in a bookstore and they're like, Oh my God, your episode on motivation changed my life. And I'm like, great post that on instagram <laughs> so i feel like I, you know it so it's hard sometimes to podcast because it doesn't have that direct feedback and it's not like i do it just for the feedback but sometimes i'm like am i even on the right planet here hello so there's that that's kind of odd um but it's such a great such a great tool you know, just to have a voice is, um, I was raised and didn't have a voice. Like I wasn't allowed to, to feel or really express my true emotions. And so now that I have all these platforms, I just go crazy. <laughs> well, is it hard though? I mean, growing up, what do you mean by not like having a voice? Your parents, like, you know, you could be there, but can't express your feelings. What does what does that mean? Yeah. And, and maybe I could have, but I didn't because I was too worried about what they would think of me or how they felt about stuff. And, you know, that's the jury's still out on, on what actually happened with, with that. But I do know that anytime I was angry as a kid or a teenager, I was told to, you know, straighten up my attitude. Mm-hmm. And I, I never was asked like, why are you angry? Yeah. Why are you upset? It was like, you need to straighten up your attitude. So it was like, you need to keep the peace and you need to make me feel better. Um, as a parent, 
versus like, hey, what's up? Why are you so mad? You know, and so um, I remember distinctly trying to just always keep my emotions, not necessarily my emotions, but just everything down, you know, keep it suppressed. Um, it came out in a teenage piss poor attitude, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but never really being like, my kids will tell me, my, my children will come to me and they will say, I am mad at you because you did this to me. And I go, oh my gosh, I totally did. I am so sorry. I never meant to hurt you. And they're like, that's fine. Okay. I forgive you. You know, we have conversations like that because I have, I tell them, I'm like, you can express any emotion in this house as long as it has a, it needs to be semi-respectful. But it depends on how incensed you are. <laughs> like if you're really, if I really hurt you, I want to know that. And so we've always had that communication um, with our kids. Just you know, if your feelings are hurt, you tell me why, because I don't ever want you to to think I would hurt you intentionally. You know, that's important. Open communication in the family because it's back then. Your mom was like, "Hey, you you want something to cry about? You better be quiet. You want something to cry about?" And I'm like. Okay, I'll be quiet. I'll be good. Exactly. Exactly. They're like, don't you know you you got you got a house and you got schooling and what are you complaining about? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I, I did have some things to say. Now I say them. <laughs> well, and I'm on the other two is your upcoming book, um, The No Nonsense. And I like the title of it. I like the um I like the title of it, The Year of No Nonsense, How Get Over Yourself and On With Your Life. How did that title come about? That's a very cool and interesting title. Um, so the year of no nonsense was based off of my experiment in 2017 where everything fell apart. And I was like, I'm going to have a year of no nonsense. And that was just kind of a mantra I adopted. And then what came out of that was like completely life changing. Um, and so that was where the title came from. Um, How to get over yourself and on with your life was not the original subtitle. That <laughs> thing changed. Um, in the 11th hour, like literally probably 10 weeks ago, it changed. Um, and so that was a suggestion of my editor, how to get over yourself and all of your life. And I'm fine with it. I did not like the original subtitles, so it's a happy medium, but, um, yeah, the year, the year of no nonsense came about because I literally started hashtagging that in 2017. Cause I said, I just can't take what's going on in my life right now. I'm going to have a year of no nonsense. And I made a pledge and I said, who's coming with me? And I was like, someone grab that goldfish. You know, <laughs> here's my mission statement. And a lot of people, I had like a thousand people join this group overnight oh, wow. um, who said, yeah, I want a year of no nonsense too. And, and I didn't really know what it meant. And we just got, no one knew what anything meant because it just to create something. And, but then um, I pitched the book and the book changed. I mean, it became this living, breathing creature from the, the book proposal to the finished product. It is not the same book because I was living, like learning about myself and learning about my, my trauma and my addiction and my binge eating and all the stuff I learned about it during the writing. <laughs> <laughs> so it became this crazy moving book um, that just changed shapes until the last second. I mean, it went to publication a month ago and it got edited down to the last like days. Wow. <laughs> I mean, just, it really did. So I'm very proud of it. Um, it's a very real raw book. I think people are going to love it or hate it. I don't <laughs> think you're going to be like, eh. I, I think you're going to have an opinion about it. 
one way or another. And that'll be fun to see, which I'm not going to read reviews, so it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Are you nervous with the release coming up so soon? I'm so nervous. Um, I have a lot of, and, and I think that's probably the mark of doing it well. Like, and I have no reason and no evidence that that's true. But I feel like if I was super confident in it, then maybe I wasn't as authentic as I could have been. If I'm like, oh, this is a safe bet. People are going to feel good when they read this book and they're going to love it. I think that would be a different story. I literally think some people are going to throw this book across the room after chapter two and be like, no, I'm not even, I'm not taking this journey with this woman because it is a call to get rid of your nonsense. Like it really is. And, and you got to be ready for that mm -hmm. or you're not. And so I have reservations about that because I certainly don't want people to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know with, with everything in me that I did the right thing that I told my truth. And I know that it has already helped people that have, have gotten the pre-read. Um, I had a little focus group that has, has read it since, july i guess um and it and some of them are like this changed me you know and that makes you feel good and then some people won't say anything i'm like oh you don't like it <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it you know so um it's, it's gonna be interesting for sure but i am very nervous I, I've, I've put a lot into this i've my my family is financially out on the limb for it i mean i I, we've sunk every dime I've made coaching this year has been put right back into this book for promotion and for travel. Um, and so, yeah, my family sacrificed for this. And so I am nervous, you know, and, and I keep saying it, like December 17th, everything can change mm -hmm. or nothing can change. <laughs> like it can, it, everything can be totally different with, it just the the picking up of, of the right public you know publicity person like if Oprah gets it and she loves it it's off to the races if she gets it and hates it I'm done <laughs> um, you know and and so I look at it that way but like what a beautiful opportunity that is just to to even say I have no idea what's coming in twelve days. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 no, but it's a brave thing to do. I mean, you're putting yourself out there and taking a chance. Not a lot of people will do what you did or even take yeah. a chance to do it. And then, <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. You just don't know. And, and, and the, uh, what did they say? The other side of fear is success or something like that. Every, well, there's the, the one that everything you ever wanted is on, is the, on the other side of fear. Yeah. yeah something is that like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Oh, <laughs> wrap it up. I, wrap it up. I like the final thoughts. Final thoughts on um, on no nonsense. Maybe something about parenting and set an example. Yeah, um, I think I think in order to, I love Dr. Shafali Sabari who talks about conscious parenting. Um, in order, like that, we are raising these children who are divine spirits we didn't we don't own them they are humans you know and so i have looked at parenting my children as parenting another human and that may seem like common sense to some people but it wasn't for me it just wasn't they were kids and they did they were supposed to do what i said and whatever but i learned a lot from dr shafali and the way that plays into a year of no nonsense is just identifying your 
maybe behaviors that you're carrying down from maybe your parents that you were like, you know, when you open your mouth and your dad comes out mm-hmm. and like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to my kids. Cause I remember how that made me feel. And so part of the year of no nonsense is being a conscious parent and, and stopping the cycle of things that not necessarily were abusive or destructive because not everyone had that, but the things that just made you feel bad as a kid, like don't do that to your kids. That's nonsense. Like put the brakes on it, start to hear the voice in your head that, that wants you to say those mean things to your kids or to kind of cut them down, you know, don't do that. Like we're better than that. We have more resources in this generation. We have more opportunities. Like let's raise conscious kids, you know, let's, let's do a better job. And so that, that's a big part of my book too, is, is the parenting factor. So, yeah. Well, um, where they, where they connect with you and do they want to ask more questions or maybe um, look over some coaching or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm everywhere at swim bike mom. Mm-hmm. So like on Swim Bike Run, just take the runaway and add mom. Swim Bike Mom on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's my website, swimbikemom.com. And the book, The Year of No Nonsense, is available wherever you buy your books in, on December 17th. Um, and it'll be in Target and Walmart in the new year, which is big news. We also pre-order at pre-orders help. Yes, please pre-order. If, if this is before December 17th, pre, please pre-order because it's a big deal. Pre-orders are money for, not money. I mean, you make a dollar a book, but they're like proverbial money for authors. It's, it's kind of our worth. <laughs> <laughs> All the links will be in the show notes and I'll make sure. And I want to say thank you, Mary. Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. This was fun. Wrapping up the episode, I want to thank Meredith Adler for being the guest on the podcast. You can find more about her over at swimbikemom.com. Hey, also, check out her podcast, the same 24-hour podcast. We share some, she shares a lot of interesting insight in her life and some of the stuff about the book and some of the stuff about get ridding her nonsense. Um, and she's very colorful about it, too. But it's, it's a really, really fun podcast. I actually, I, if this is on my podcast list. And this is one of my favorite now. You can find all the show notes and links to this episode at nosittingonthesideline.com slash 75. Hey, please reach out and leave a comment if you have any questions. Or leave a comment in the show notes. Like, hey, I, I have a couple of nonsense or those are a great episode or I, under, I understand where you're coming from. You can find all my contact information at nosittingonthesideline.com slash contact. Well, you know, wrapping up, we're kind of racing to the end of 2019. It's only a couple of weeks from the time of this recording. And I want to wish you a happy holidays and a happy new year with your family. I really appreciate you for listening. It means a lot. It really does. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Give your family a hug this time of year. Or, or, or just treat everybody kind. God bless. Take care. See ya. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.